This morning I do have um, a Bible reading for us, which I will ask you to stand for, um, for the reading of Scripture, and I'll ask um, Sawyer to come and read for us. He's going to read from the Amplified Bible. Um, he's going to read uh, from John chapter 16, 5 through 16. John chapter 16, verses 5 through 16. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts, taking complete possession of them. However, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say, it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And when he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness, uprightness of the heart and right standing with God, and about judgment, about sin because they do not believe on me, trust in, rely, and adhere to me, about righteousness, uprightness of heart, and the right standing with God, because I go to my Father, and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler, prince of this world, Satan, is judged and condemned and sentenced already is passed upon him. I have still many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them, nor to take them upon you, nor to grasp them now. Because when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit, comes, he will guide you in all truth, the whole, whole truth, for he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you all the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will honor and glorify me, because he will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine, and will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is, what, that is what I meant when I said that he will take the things that are mine and will reveal, declare, disclose, or transmit them to you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, I pray that the word today will go out in power and in signs and wonders that your spirit will be present, that would hear you, who would see you, who would experience you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So good morning today. Pastor Ryan last week spoke about the Holy Spirit, and we are continuing on the um, teaching on the Holy Spirit. Um, I did say that today the Lord needs to help me because there's quite a bit of meat which I hope people can chew on and not chalk on. And there is a bit of milk too. So praise the Lord for both of that. Um, and um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I want us, my goal today is for us to understand that God has given us the Holy Spirit as our supreme advantage. Jesus says it's to your advantage that I go away. 
And I want us to see that advantage. I want us to see how it works before we are believers, that advantage, and how that advantage works when we are um, in Christ as believers. So I'm going to start all the way from the beginning. But first of all, I would like us to just do a quick one on who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? We hear in John 16, verse 7, Jesus says, he's speaking to his disciples, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For, I do not, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Pastor Ryan last week spoke about the limitation that Jesus had when he was here on earth in bodily form. That he was in one place at one time. Um, if we wanted to see Jesus and talk to him, we would have to go all the way to Galilee or Nazareth or wherever he would be to speak to him. But the Holy Spirit takes that and makes and makes Jesus available to us today here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, on 910 Broadway, and also at the same time out there in Randbeck, South Africa, at the same time. That's amazing. So who is, who is the Holy Spirit? People have said a lot of things. People have said, some have thought of the Holy Spirit as a force. Some have said the Holy Spirit is a wind. Some have said all these things. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is part, is God. He is part of God. God is in three, in three persons. We sing that. In three persons, blessed Trinity. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a person of God. It's not a force. It's not an it. And I know most people make the mistake of thinking the Holy Spirit is some type of force or whatever. But the Bible tells us that he is the third person of God. And that means that he has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. And we'll see that as we go. Just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have those, the Spirit of God has those too. The Bible tells us, well, that he carries in him the three attributes of God that we talk about a lot. And these are just big words that we use to talk about this, but it's very simple. The Holy Spirit himself, he is omnipotent, just like God. His power is unlimited to do anything. He can do anything. He was there in creation. He was part of of creation, just like we hear that the Son was part of creation and He and, and, and things were created through Him for Him, so is the Holy Spirit. He was there, He was part of the creation, He is all powerful. Number two, we say that He is omniscient, that means He knows everything from A to Z, He is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows all things. I know I say it A to Z. I'm trying to, you know, get more. I should be saying A to Z, but I'm trying. <laughs> he knows all things. There is nothing that you can ask him that will puzzle him. The Holy Spirit has knowledge that is unlimited. He is omnipresent. He is present everywhere at the same time. 
We've just spoken about that. Those are three attributes that we know of God, that God is these things. So the Holy Spirit is. In Hebrews 9, 4, it tells us that he's eternal. In Romans 8, 2, it tells us that he is a spirit of life. In John 6, 13, it tells us that he is a spirit of truth. In Genesis 1, 2, he participated in creation. The spirit of God was moving upon the waters. In John 3, 8, he participated in our salvation and still participates up to now in our walk with Christ. Romans 8, 11 tells us that he's the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead. The Holy Spirit has all the three characters of God in him. He is God. Jesus says something that I, I would like to, to highlight. When he speaks about the Holy Spirit, he speaks about him convicting the world of sin. And I want us to understand this, that the Holy Spirit is the prime mover in the work of salvation. I know some of you are like, oh, what is he talking about now? The Holy Spirit is the prime mover in our lives when it comes to salvation. And I'm going to show you how. He convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Not only the world, but he convicts us as believers of sin, of the righteousness we have in Christ, and of the judgment that we are not going to face because Christ has taken it for us. I want you to see the Holy Spirit to the world, he convicts them of sin. They are sin, yes, but he also convicts them of that their judgment is coming. And he convicts them that Christ is offering the righteousness for them to come and receive it. So the Holy Spirit in one way or the other, he is doing all this to the believer and to the non-believer, but at different lenses of things. In the beginning, when we were not saved, the Holy Spirit prepared the human heart to believe in Jesus. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to prepare the human heart, to prepare the soil to receive the seed of God's word. He convinces the world of sin. When the word is preached, he brings it to life, to the soul. So the Holy Spirit prepares that. He prepares that. The work of the cross has been fulfilled by Jesus. He's done it all. But it's left to the Holy Spirit to apply this finished work into the heart of the believer. Jesus has done it. He's finished. The cross has accomplished our salvation. But then the Holy Spirit comes and applies that, that which is finished. A few things that I want to share with you here. The cross accomplishes all, but the Holy Spirit administers to men what has been accomplished. The cross finishes it all, and the Holy Spirit makes sure that the finished work is done in the life and in the work of a believer, or even of a sinner who is coming to know Christ. He is working. And sometimes we don't see how and we don't know how, but he is working. What is Jesus doing at this point? He is working through his spirit to unite us with the Father. So the Holy Spirit is working to administer that. Secondly, I want you to realize this. The Holy Spirit grants us position, sorry, the cross grants us position. The cross tells us 
we are children of God. The cross grants us clean. The cross grants us righteous. The cross grants us the debt fully paid, tetelesky. But the Holy Spirit gives us the experience of that which the cross has purchased for us. The cross brings the fact of God. But the Holy Spirit brings about the demonstration of that fact. A book that I've been reading that has been very transformational for me, I, I mean, this is the third time I'm reading it from childhood. It's a man called Watchman Nee. Sorry, Watchman is one word. Uh, Watchman Nee. And there are two quotes for him that I want to read for us, with us in this context. He says, the work of the cross creates a position and achieves salvation by which sinners are saved. The task of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to sinners that the cross has created and achieved so that they may in fact receive it and be saved. The cross illuminates, the, sorry, the Holy Spirit illuminates what the cross has done into our lives. He quickens our spirit, that's what we are told. And another quote for him, from him that I really enjoyed reading and I was excited about is that the Holy Spirit never functions independently from the cross. Get this right. The Godhead, all three of them never function from independently from one another. Remember what Jesus said? He will hear what the Father says and he will speak of me. There's a connection all the time. There's a connection between all those. And in this case, the Holy Spirit never functions independently from the cross. Without the cross the, um, without the cross, the Holy Spirit has no proper ground to operate from, because the work is not done. That is why during the Old Testament, only the Holy Spirit, as Pastor Ryan said, the other week was anointed to the priests and those people who were doing service and not to everybody else, because there was no ground. But after the cross, there is ground that has been worked on. The cross has, has given us that standing, and the Holy Spirit works that ground and illuminates the word in us and helps us to see who we are. He convicts us of who we are. Without the work of the, of the cross, sorry, without the Holy Spirit, the work of the cross is dead. That's a very strong statement, but that's true when you look at it from the point of view that they work together. So without that, it is dead. It produces no effect upon men. Though it is already achieved before God, but it's not applied to men. The Holy Spirit is the application to men. He applies what he receives from the Father to us. John 3, 6. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. We spoke about this at Kids Church. Those kids that are here that have been watching Kids Church videos, you know, in the last few weeks, we spoke about Jesus speaking with Nicodemus. And then he says to him, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. The physical is merely physical. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. We as believers are born again because the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, brings to bear the work of the cross. And communicates God's life to our dead spirit. Before we are saved, our spirit is dead. 
And when we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and communicates life to the dead spirit. It like resuscitates the dead spirit and rises up. Then we are alive in Christ. And behold, all things become new. And then we can say we are walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is not being weird. Walking in the spirit is a daily thing for a believer. It's like breathing. It's a normal thing for a believer to walk in the spirit. The Holy Spirit is the executor of God's work in our lives. Then we can surely say, like it says in Galatians chapter 5.25. Didn't put this one up. Galatians 5.25 says, if we claim to live by the Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit. If we claim to live by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit. So after bestowing this new life to us, after working at regeneration and, and showing us all this, the Holy Spirit does not end there. His life continues because then he confers to us this new life and then he indwells us as believers. This is where it starts getting good to us, for us. Because then he lives in us. And when his presence, when he lives in us, there is a difference in our life. In the Old Testament, if you remember, God's presence lived in the Holy of Holies. The temple represented God's presence to the people of the Old Testament. But we know that the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. In our spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells in there. And the reason why I can safely say that is because Scripture in so many times would use that, and the spirit of man with a small s, is indwelled by the Spirit of God with a capital S. So the Spirit of God indwells the believer afterwards. It doesn't end at the point of salvation and then he goes away. He is there to dwell amongst us and in us. Some scriptures to look at that I find very interesting. Ezekiel 36, this is before the New Testament. He says, Moreover, I'll give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit within you, and I'll remove the heart of stone from, uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put in my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will keep my ordinances and do them. That was a promise way before the Holy Spirit's outpouring. He said, what I will I do in the last days, I will, I will do this. When you come to me and you, you, you come to me and you confess and you are cleaned, I will remove this and I will put this and my spirit will be put in you. So his spirit dwells in us. Ephesians 4.30, this is the emotions of the Holy Spirit. He says, do not grieve the spirit of God, but seek to please him by whom you were sealed and marked and branded as God's own. For the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. When I promised Jen that I would marry her, I gave her an engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is, is the guarantee, it's the seal, it's the engagement ring for us to know that Jesus is coming back for us. And it marks us that we are his own 
When I gave Jen the engagement ring, he went off to Kenya where, he was working, where she was working as a missionary. She went off to Kenya. And, and it did not change. I did not then suddenly leave with her. But every time she would look at the ring, she would know that he promised. There is a date set. He promised. And each time he, she waved at her friends, they looked at her ring and like, oh, yeah, she's, she's promised to somebody. So the Holy Spirit is that kind of guarantee for us. The sign for the world to see us and know that we belong to Christ is by the Holy Spirit. And how is that? It's by the fruit of the Spirit. I know there are so many teachings, and I've said this before here at Broadway. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and, the, and, and I agree that one of the signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, but it's not the only sign. I think the biggest sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the producing the fruit of the Spirit. You can speak in tongues until you are blue in the face, but if you don't exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, you are void of the Spirit of God. Again, Jesus speaking, he says, The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to heart because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains in you continually and will be with you. That's a promise. We are promised that the Holy Spirit will continue to be with us. Do you not know, do you not understand that you, the church, are the temple of God? Talking about the temple. And the Holy Spirit of God dwells permanently in you, collectively, and, 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 speak to me, church, and. So the Holy Spirit does not live here in the building when we are together, and then he's gone. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us individually, such that when we go outside there, then we live lives that please God because we are directed by the indwelling power of his spirit. It doesn't stay here at church. He's not a wind in church. The wind most probably is caused by the fans. The Holy Spirit is a person. Just like God indwells us, the Holy Spirit indwells a believer. And he wants to be given a home in the life of the believer. He's not, he's, he's not a forcer. He's a gentleman. He won't push his way. We'll talk about that later. The Bible tells us that he is our helper. And that word helper is stretched in other words. Comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener. There are all these things that are stretched about what that word means to us. So I want us to look at what is it that he does. In John 14, 16 that we read today and 17, Jesus says, I will pray that the Father will give you another helper, that he will abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. This is part of the promises that Jesus made to his disciples before he left. There were three promises, and this is one of them. This is the second of the three promises of assuring them that he will be with them. He's not leaving them alone. The disciples could have been scared and thinking, he's abandoning us. He says, I will go, and where I go, you can't follow me. Remember Thomas, uh, was it Thomas who said to him, Lord, show us the way we will go with you. And the other one said, uh, show us the Father, that will be enough for us. 
But they, they were panicking because they did not understand why is he leaving us now. But he gives them this assurance that I will be with you. And so when the Spirit is in us, when he is our helper, these are the few things that he does. Number one, he compels us to minister to others. He compels us to minister to others. Because X1 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what will cause that, what will be the cause, what will be the result of that is that you will be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, here at home, in Judea, amongst the people that we know, in Samaria, amongst the people that believe differently from us, to the uttermost part of the earth, to the whole world. Just like what Jack and Carol are doing. The Holy Spirit is given us to us so that we can be witnesses of Jesus. He helps us to be witnesses of what Jesus has done. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. John 14, 26 tells us that, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance the things that I've said to you. So not only does he help us to be able to share the gospel, he teaches us. Allow him to teach you in your time of reading God's word. Don't read it like a novel. It's not a novel of stories. This is not a book of fiction. This is life. Allow him to take this life out of these pages and put it and apply it to your heart. He's the teacher. Allow him to, to, to give you light to some of the things that you might just read past here and not hear what he's saying to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to be your teacher. Don't try and teach him. Especially for some of us who have gone to theological colleges, we think we can teach the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. We need to learn to stop and let him do the teaching. We are the students. It's not an intellectual learning. It's a spiritual growing. It's not intellectual food. It is spiritual food that he gives. So let us allow him to be the teacher. The Holy Spirit is our guide. However, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you what to come, the whole, what is to come. The Holy Spirit is our guide. I have never seen people, well, let me not say I've never seen, I've seen people who are silly. You're walking on a guided tour and they're walking in front of the guide. Is that person learning what the guide is doing? Is that person being, is that person being um, using the guide for what the guide is for if they are running in front of the guide? No. And sometimes in our walk as believers, we try to rush ahead and we guide, we try to guide the Holy Spirit. And it's not only just believers, but also some ministers try and manipulate and use the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not for use. He is God. And we need to be careful because God has got emotions too. We need to be careful when we try to guide him, we are not called to guide him. We are called to listen and have him guide us and lead us. 
Don't lead the Spirit of God. Sims, never lead the Spirit of God. Because you will never be able to. You will fail. And great will be your failure. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us to pray. I've got a few scriptures that I want to share with you. I'm not going to read them. You can write them down. Romans 8, 26 and 27 speaks to that. He helps us to pray. And then the Holy Spirit sheds the love of God broadly in our hearts. That's a scripture we love to use. Romans 8, 13. He's the one who sheds the love of God into our hearts. Sorry, that's Romans 5, 5. And then he puts to death the deeds of the flesh. That's a very hard thing. That's a tough thing. But the Holy Spirit works to put down the work of the flesh. I, I, I usually see it this way. When you've seen a potter working, he's got a wire that goes through um, his pottery, his clay, to remove the bubbles in it so that it's good enough to stay together because if there's bubbles of air in it, by the time it won't last long, the pottery will start to crack. So he uses or she uses a wire that goes through. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in killing, a picture of what the Holy Spirit does in killing the work of the flesh in us. That would destroy us. But he does that so that the work of the flesh would not destroy us. We need to be willing to let him be the surgeon. It's a hard thing. Let him be the surgeon. He is a surgeon. He knows what he's doing. And then he gives us counsel to succeed. And then he conforms us to the image of Christ. What is the number one call for every believer? Number one call for every believer is to be transformed to the image of his son. It's not to preach the gospel. It's not to do, it's first myself to be transformed to the image of Christ. If you don't know what your calling is and you're doing all those questionnaires that tell you what your calling is or whatever you do, I want you to know that your number one calling is to be the image of Christ. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He conforms us to that image of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. To the glory of God. So when we give over, when we give the Holy Spirit our lives, we'll experience a few things. As I've said before, we'll experience the fruit of the Spirit. Then the fruit starts to come out. Because God works from the inside out. The enemy works from the outside in, but God works from the inside out. So he starts with the most important, precious thing inside. And then he brings out the fruit. I've never seen a tree that stands and goes, I'm trying to bring out the fruit. No, it comes out because of what is in the tree already. If the tree is diseased and it's not bringing fruit, it's, it's because something has got into the tree system. That's the same thing with us. The Holy Spirit does not come so that we can work by our own flesh to produce the fruits of the Spirit. We can never do it. He cannot sustain it. But it is by him. He does that. We'll, we need to be at a point where we let him do that without obstructing his work. We see the Holy Spirit bringing fruit. Number two, 
boldness. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. Boldness to proclaim. Gives us boldness to walk in victory. Boldness to face the enemy. The Holy Spirit is there to embolden us. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses. But also what do we see? Remember last week, Pastor Ryan spoke about Peter. Peter comes and suddenly he does his first sermon. He is bold to speak for the first time. And he speaks and 3,000 people come to Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. When they go before um, the judges, the Bible tells us that they were shocked that these men are not learned. But they are so bold. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. We become bold as lions when we let the Holy Spirit do his work. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. He is all-knowing. What more would you need if somebody who's all-knowing lives in you and can tell you what you need to do? He knows yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He knows before you even say it what you're going. He knows your breath. He knows. He knows everything. Ask him for wisdom. And then we overflow with love because he sheds the love of God in our hearts. Cultivating that fellowship with the Holy Spirit is a very important thing. And I think that's my last point. My small group recently did a book uh, called Forgotten God by Francis Chen. I'm thankful to Matt and his wife Dawn, who are leaders um, in my small group. They led us so well through this book. And we had a lot of time to discuss things and to see how sometimes the church has forgotten the Holy Spirit. And we've run on, walked in front of the guide, take off. Sometimes it feels like the church is like my, my two-year-old now, that you'd say to him, walk behind me, Zinga boy, don't walk in front of me. And then he says, three, one, five, blast off, and you takes off. And he say, I just told you, walk behind me. And that's what we do with the Spirit of God. We blast off because we think he's taking too long. But we need to see these things when we cultivate a relationship with him. Number one, we need to be open to his presence. Openness to his presence speaks of us opening up those closed doors and those corners of our lives that are hidden. We have hidden corners in our lives that we don't allow anyone else in. Whether it's our thoughts, open up the deepest parts. Let the light of God shine in them. His light searches us. That's his Holy Spirit. Illuminates those places and searches us. Let him in your, perf- in your, in your personal space. Let the Holy Spirit in. Decisions must be made in his presence. Let him come in. Then we are called as well to develop a sensitivity to his leading. Let's not like try and ride and run ahead of him. Let us be people who are sensitive to his leading. Stop and listen. How many times in these weeks that we've had 
all those things happening. The, the riots, uh, coronavirus, and all those things. How many times have we really, I mean, not just in saying, because people say it a lot. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. And they don't really stop to listen to what they're saying. They just go on and do what they wanted to do. How many times have we said we've been sensitive enough to say, Holy Spirit, I will wait. If it means I wait an hour before I say anything, I will wait to hear what you have to say. That's a challenge to me too. If it means that I, I have something good to say, but if it means that I keep quiet, I'll do it. While I wait for you to tell me what to say, what to do. Sensitivity to his spirit. How sensitive are we to his spirit? It's easy to say it. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. I, I want to say this right. I do that a lot too. And I say that a lot too. Help, help me, Holy Spirit. But in, in reality, I'm actually not going to listen. I'm just saying it because it's something that I've said all the time. I say that a lot. Oh, help me, Lord. But I'm not listening. I'm not stopping to listen. How are we doing in sensitivity in stopping to listen? Really stop. We develop fellowship with them through conversations, through prayer life. How is my prayer life? How is your prayer life? How is your life in your prayer closet? I'm not talking about Tuesday prayer when everybody's here, corporate prayer. That's a good thing that we do. But we are called to have fellowship with the Spirit individually, in your home, at your work, in your car, wherever you are. How is your prayer life? How is your communication, your fellowship with Him? Does He miss you? And then allowing Him to minister to you through the Bible. We've spoken about that. During the time when you read this, allow Him. Ask Him. Invite Him. Don't just go on and Moses say, no. Ask Him, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to learn? Of recent, and sometimes we love to study. So we take this as a study book. It's good to study God's Word. Awesome. But we need to listen to what He's saying as we read this. It's not an academic thing. I've said this before. It's not an academic thing. This is a spiritual thing. This is life. And he says, I want to be there to help you as you read this, to bring it to life in here. And then ask him to teach you how to pray. I know sometimes we think we are prayer warriors and we know how to pray. We don't. The Spirit of God knows what we need to pray for, knows how we need to pray in the will of God. Ask him, Holy Spirit, help me to pray. Teach me on what I need to pray for. Help me know how to petition the Father of what I'm petitioning him for. He's our guide. He's our helper. And then as well, be passionate about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's not a relationship to be ashamed of. And I should caution there that being passionate about the, your relationship with the Holy Spirit does not mean being weird to people. But be passionate about it. It's important. Um, Lisa Davish, in our small group, said this thing that she's, she has learned through the process of what we've been doing as a small group on the Holy Spirit. She said, I've learned to ask the Holy Spirit and stop. And I've learned to shut my mouth and open my ears to hear what he's got to say. Some people have said to, she says that some people have said to her, they have actually nicknamed her. Some people at Bible study 
at some Bible study have nicknamed her the girl who talks about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit chick, that's what they call her. Why? Because she is passionate about it. She is passionate about stopping and listening. She is not passionate, she's not, she's not passionate about showing it off to the world. It's just her and her little Lisa body saying to the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want me to say? How do you want me to respond to this? How do you want me to take it on from here? And stopping and making sure that she stops. And she would say, I think I need to stop here now. She has said some things and she's like, oh no, I need to stop and ask the Holy Spirit. I just ran ahead. And I've just I've appreciated hearing her say that all the time. It's just been an amazing thing to hear. So I want to ask you, would you ask the Holy Spirit and allow him to take care and to take over all your faculties? Whether it's your eating, your sleeping, your walking, your tweeting, your Facebooking, your reading, your drinking, whatever you do, your time with your family, allow the Holy Spirit to help you do what the Father has called you to do at that time. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. We just touched a little bit of it, the top of the iceberg. And there is the huge bottom of the iceberg that we, don't, we didn't touch about what is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. My advice to you, this is personal advice, is that when it comes to the relationship with the Holy Spirit, don't circle for less. You are only cheating yourself when you circle for less. Don't circle for him to be only in the living room of your, of your home, which is your body. Don't circle him for him only to be in some space and some spaces are not for him. Open the space up. Let the Spirit of God in. Let him work to change you and to make you more and more like Jesus. Never circle for less. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, I want the best of you. I want the best of your spirit working in my heart. I'm desperate for that best of your spirit working in my life. And we're going to go on and sing. And we're going to sing about how desperate and how thirsty we are. And I want at this time, just take your time and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm desperate for you. Not desperate for anything else. You are my helper. Look, look at the difference between that. The enemy is called the accuser of brethren. The Holy Spirit is called the helper of brethren. Look at the contrast in that. He's there to help us. He wants to help us. He is willing, not just willing, he is able. Are we willing? He's a gentleman. You won't, you won't kick down the door. Just like Jesus said, look at the door I stand and I knock. It's up to us. God is not going to make us robots. God has given us a will. And today as we speak, for some of you it might be, I'm sitting here, I'm listening over the internet or whatever, I'm watching over Facebook, and I feel a tagging in my heart when you speak about the work of the cross that is completed. 
That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Don't resist him. If he's calling you to surrender your life to Jesus today, this is the moment. Don't lose it. Don't settle for less. Jesus came so that we may have life and life in abundance. Jesus came as a man, as a baby. He became a man. He died for our sins and he rose again. And he's ascended to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit to minister that to us. My brothers and sisters, if you're in this room and you feel the tag in your spirit, the tag in your spirit of, oh, don't worry, that's the Holy Spirit reminding you. And if you feel he's tagging you to make this gift your own, the gift of Jesus. I want you to come and see me after the service or see one of our elders after the service and also or see one of our ex-elders who are here after the service. Those are men and women and they are ladies as well. They are, they are wives and the lay prayer team. They are willing to pray with you. They are willing to lead you to that saving grace of Jesus to walk with you. Do not... Do not go for less. As a believer, you are filled with the Spirit of God. Walk with Him. Allow Him to work in you. If He's taking in your heart now, allow Him to work through you. He's got a plan and a purpose.